1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to begin today in verse 1. And you may think, Chris, wait a minute, you were there last week. That's true. That's absolutely right, and thank you for noticing. Uh, we are back in the first five verses. We're going to go today from 1 Corinthians 14, 1, all the way through verse 19, and then Danny's going to bring the following passages next Sunday. But as you're turning there, whether it's on your Bible or on an app, let me just ask this question. Have you ever faced something in life that you just don't know how to put into words? You ever been in a circumstance where maybe it's, it's brokenness or, or somebody has sinned against you or maybe you're just seeing the depths of your own sin and you don't even know how to put that into words? Perhaps you're interacting with brokenness or somebody's sinning against you. Perhaps you're just seeing the fallenness of the world. Sometimes I feel this way. Uh, I feel this way oftentimes when I watch news. So I don't watch the news a ton anymore. I sometimes I feel this way when I, when I read an article. So I have to watch that intake for me personally because it can just be so heavy, I'm not even sure how to put into words what it is that I'm feeling in that moment. Now, if you know me, you understand this is not language I'm comfortable with. Like, I don't normally lead out with my feelings. I feel like I've said that a few times in this series. I have feelings. <laughs> I just don't always like them. So why would I go back to that feeling? And yet, there's something that God has provided greater than my feelings that I would be able to offload that weight to the one who carries it perfectly. To the one who carries it perfectly. And he ministers perfectly. And he saves perfectly. Because he loves perfectly. See, we, we can experience a variety of things in life that lead us, leave us speechless, but they don't have to leave us hopeless. And with that in mind, we begin looking at verses 1 through 5 and how the gift of tongues builds. Pursue love. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters the mysteries in the spirits. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, now this chapter, you may recall, is set up all the way back in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, where it says, I will show you a more excellent way. And then Paul takes an entire chapter to talk about divine love and how the overflow of that is something that is going to spill out through our lives. We're supposed to let love be our highest goal. It's what the new living translation says about it the message says it this way go after a life of love as if your life depends on it because it does so we're supposed to hunt after it we're supposed to strive for love <coughs> we are called to pursue it habitually it's something that we are regularly giving attention to so love is our ultimate goal 
And we're supposed to desire the spiritual gifts. We're supposed to be zealous for this. This is actually where the word zealot comes from. It's something that that inspires our zeal. It's something that drives us and compels us and moves us toward others and toward our Heavenly Father as well. Now, last week we did focus on the gift of prophecy. If, if you weren't here, I'd encourage you a review of that message to understand how we see the gifts benefiting the local church. I trust you've already seen this in our time of worship, how it is that we weigh, evaluate prophetic ministry in the church. But I also want to remind you of our Growing in the Gifts class that's happening while our community groups take a break during the month of August. Growing in the Gifts is actually happening each Monday in August Monday nights at 7.30 in our chapel. Last week there were about 50 people here. It was just a wonderful time together. Darren, Eddie, others, thank you, Michael. Thank you for your leadership in that. Thank you for, it was just a wonderful time. But here's the thing. If you missed last week, you may just think, oh, I, I can't go to any of them. That's not actually how these, these growing, these grow uh, classes are designed. Oh, Miss Rhonda, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. That's not how these grow classes are designed. Uh, if you miss one, if you can only make one, they're actually designed so that you can come and be a part. So I would just encourage you, don't let the calendar kind of dictate disqualifying yourself from being there. I know I'm going to miss one, uh, not tomorrow night, but a week from tomorrow night, uh, but I'm still going to be there on Monday nights. Please come out and join us together. Just suddenly, that rush of fear that I would just pour it all down the front of me. <laughs> so quiet. <laughs> it's a perfect time to make a mistake, isn't it? On the gift of prophecy, what is it that we learn even just from these five verses? Well, we, we see that prophecy in verse 3 is to people. It's to the gathered church. It's, it's to a gathering. We see this in small group gatherings. Uh, we see this in one-on-one ministry. But what does it do? It's, it's designed to build up. It builds up the church, verse 5 says of 1 Corinthians 14. And here's what I think it does. I think it communicates the weight of the glory of God and his heart for his people. So prophecy ministers to the church as we get to communicate the weight of the glory of God and his divine love for people. But then Paul introduces this subject and it almost seems like he's comparing them or, or putting in them in some kind of priority in some sort of order. He says, then there's tongues. And, and what does that do? Well, those tongues are to God and they, they are communicating about mysteries. They, verse 4 says, they build up the self. Well, that seems a little selfish. I'm not sure we're allowed to talk about that in church. Okay, I mean, I'm not sure what you're doing here this morning other than to be built up. So why, why wouldn't tongues be something that we'd want to seek to edify ourselves as well? Because here's what tongues does. Tongues unloads the weight that we were never meant to carry. And it transfers through the Holy Spirit to one who ministers perfectly. So if prophecy communicates the heart of God and His divine love to His people tongues allows us to offload a weight that we were never designed to carry so in those moments that you don't know what to say the spirit does in those moments when you're not sure what to do the spirit does in those moments when it feels like no words will do the spirit is perfectly able and we've been given 
the gift of tongues. And it adds this rich dimension to your prayer life. Verse 4 talks about building up yourself. And and that may seem very selfish. I, I think that's a wrong way to look at it. I need to be built up in the things of God. I need to give time and attention to that. You need to do the same things. Please don't outsource your faith to me. That's not our call as a church. We are individuals who are being built up that when we gather together in the corporate setting, being built up, oh, something amazing can happen in those moments. Lives are transformed for the glory of God. And tongues is a way in in adding a rich dimension to our prayer life. We see this, how it adds and builds up our devotional time. It brings a depth to that. See, the gathered church benefits when the individuals who make up these gatherings are built up rightly. And as far as the church setting goes, that's different. See, prophecies are greater for the gathered church because they bring clarity. Paul's point in these first five verses, talking about how they build up the church is, his point is that it'd be something that benefits the entire congregation. So with that in mind, let let me just briefly give Metro Life Church's definition of the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is given by the Spirit in a variety of languages or speech directed to God. Tongues is an individual gift without an interpretation. And with an interpretation is the only time they're appropriate in the assembly. Tongues allow the ability to pray, worship, give thanks, or speak in a language other than your own or one that you may have learned. See, there's a personal dimension to the gift of tongues. And it becomes proper in a biblical way through the added interpretation. And so we have defined the interpretation of tongues as well. The interpretation of tongues is the companion to the gift of tongues. Interpretation may include word-for-word clarity or the essence of the prior utterance. The interpretation of tongues is intended to edify the church and glorify God amongst those who would hear. Now, I I just want to be clear. We added that word-for-word clarity or the essence of the prior utterance for my immature moments. When I'm sitting there going, you know, they, they prayed in tongues in front of the church a lot longer than what they said. I'm not sure if that was a good interpretation. Or vice versa. Boy, they only prayed in tongues for, you know, this many minutes, and then that, pro- that prophetic word, that, that, that interpretation, man, it seemed to go on a lot longer. Th- those are for those immature moments of mine where I'm, I'm trying to make sense of it in the midst of the assembly, in the midst of the gathered church, and perhaps you have the same type of, of temptation. I can remember here some years ago, I was overseeing the technical teams, and I was standing back at the soundboard with, with Kendall Sutter, and somebody came up and shared a, a, a tongue in the gathered church. Kendall kind of looked back at me and I said, well, I believe. Do you? And he said, yes. I said, well, then don't mute it. Let's see what the Lord has for us as a church. And then there was an an interpretation that came forward in that same moment. And it was something that built up the church and edified the church. But you know, there are times when we can not talk about tongues for so long that we begin to neglect the gift of God that it is for our devotional life. And here's my fear today. That's exactly what we've done as a church. We've ignored a gift of God for his people 
in order to commune and abide and dwell with him in a deeply personal way. So when I'm talking about building ourselves up as individuals, this isn't some form of selfishness. This isn't some form of piety. This isn't some sign that you have reached maturation. I'm immature enough to have to inform aspects of our definition so I don't act a fool in the middle of church. It's a way for us to know God and be known by God in powerful ways. You know, I love 2 Timothy 1, 6-7. It says this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. There's this impartation that has happened in that moment between Paul and Timothy. And in the midst of that impartation, Paul, uh, Timothy has received a gift that he is to continue to give attention to. Don't ignore it. Make use of it. Make practice of it. Make a healthy use of it. And I appreciate, actually, a, a longtime pastor. Some of you may be familiar with him, a well-known pastor, Jack Hayford. He wrote the song Majesty that the church I went to when I was younger. It seemed like every service ended with that. We'd, we'd grasp hands across the aisle, and at the same time, we'd all lift our hands together. I don't remember the words, but I remember those moments, right? Jack Hayford says this about the gift of tongues. Just a summary that the gift of tongues may be limited in its distribution. In other words, we see that it is the Holy Spirit who distributes the gifts as He will. But its public exercise is actually something that should be governed closely. We see that at the end of 1 Corinthians 14. And while the grace of tongues is so broadly available that Paul wishes that all would enjoy its blessing and its building up, including a, a communication with God that is distinctive to the individual, an edifying of the believer's private life, and worship and thanksgiving that are inspired by the Spirit. But all of those things are supposed to be, when we come together as a church, that they are encapsulated with beauty and appropriateness when we gather together as a church. So in other words, not every Christian should expect that they will necessarily exercise the personal gift. I love this, actually, what just happened before the service started. I, I walked in, and to the worship team, I just said, this may seem like an awkward question out of nowhere, and they, I, hopefully they're getting used to that by now. I said, how many of you have the gift of tongues? And just a few raised their hand, and then my brother-in-law, Zach, said, now, do you mean the public gift or the private gift? I said, oh, gold star for Zach. Gold star for Zach. Yes! means he's thinking rightly about these gifts. And so he can stay in the family. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just joking. See, not every Christian should expect to exercise that public gift. But we should all long for that private gift. We should all long for those times and we should put ourselves in a place for those times where we can... We can commune with God and have these personal times of prayer and fellowship with Him, like we see in 1 Corinthians 14, 2. To have praise and worship with Him, like we're going to see in verses 15 through 17. To, to actually engage in intercessory prayer, as we see in Romans 8, 26 and 27. That there are things that we are facing that the Spirit groans within us. The Spirit that we are given by our Savior groans within us because of the things that we see that are happening. Now, to be clear, tongues is primarily a personal gift. It, we build others up in community when an interpretation accompanies that. Now, in small groups, I could see a place for maybe singing in tongues extemporaneously or smaller settings uh, where others are known as believers. 
But when we are in the gathered assembly of the church, when there are ministry, uh, different areas of, of ministry that we have, like men's or women's ministry, there should be clear proclamation through understood speech. I think about when I was leading worship here in the church, somebody came and asked me one time, they said, do you have the gift of tongues? I said, yes. They said, well, we never hear you operate in it. I said, thank you. I said, oftentimes when you saw me back away from the microphone, I was singing in tongues. But I don't believe that that's a a public gift. There wasn't a faith that rose up in me that there was either myself to have the interpretation or that that someone else may have the interpretation. So I, I would back away from the microphone to just sing in tongues. I know I have found recently that there are times where I'm praying for people at the, at the close of a service and, and I don't even know what's going on in their lives and I'll just be walking around and, and, and laying hands and, and just praying in tongues because I don't fully know what's going on but the God I'm praying to sees perfectly. And you know, I have to watch that one. Right? I don't want to add confusion. Like, what, what was Chris praying over me? I don't want to add confusion to to somebody being here for times of ministry. And and so I have to watch those those moments. I want to be on guard not to just use gifts that God has given, but to remember a brother or sister that I feel led to pray for and to consider how it is that they would receive of that gift. So remember, this this is where love kicks in for one another. That's an overflow of love for others. I remember the moment I, was, I received the gift of tongues. I was at Lake Swan Camp in Keystone Heights, Florida. I was about eight years old. I'm pretty sure it was a response to puppet ministry that happened that night. See, the gift of tongues can come when God wants it to not based on what's happening around you. We're going to have a ministry time at the close. My, my hope is that as we pray for people, that they would receive this good gift from a good God today. But even if you don't, you can be filled again with the fullness of God that's going to do the same thing. It's going to displace the weight. When we are filled with the fullness of God, it displaces the weight of those things as it says, Lord, Your will be done. Isn't that kind of God? Not just to provide a gift that does this, but always provide the way that this can happen for every believer. Filled until fullness, as we read about in Ephesians chapter 2. Now, not all will receive the gift of tongues. I'm not here to try to tell you some sort of rate of people that we may pray for at the close of the service today who will receive the gift of tongues that's way above my pay grade that's God's call that's his gift to distribute and he may not do that today he may he may do that tomorrow night on your way home he may meet you in the most private of moments that nobody else will even know about others testimonies are the same I went home and I was praying for this and I received that gift out of nowhere. Oh, praise God. Praise God. How kind is he to give us a way to commune with him? So not all are going to receive the gift of tongues, but we should all be putting ourselves in a place of being able to receive. 
And what does that mean? It means setting aside the distractions for our devotional times. It means giving time to His Word, giving time to prayer and worship, giving time to just linger in the presence of God because His presence is with you always. That doesn't mean that we are supposed to try to to run to the extents of it every time. Sometimes we're just supposed to sit and bask in the glory of God. And too often, church, our calendars, our checkbooks, our schedules, our families, they are maxed out and there is no room for the presence of God. And this is my appeal to you. Make room for the Spirit. Make room for the Spirit. And you may wonder, why does this matter so much? This is the illustration that came to mind. In my family right now, there are babies everywhere. It's wonderful. Because every new facial expression blows up text threads amongst the family. Every new vocalization blows up text threads amongst the family. I wonder what God the Father thinks in those moments when we surrender our mind, we surrender our heart, we surrender our spirit to Him in a way, I didn't say disengage, I said surrender, in a way, and we surrender our vocal cords to Him, and we just try something. And I wonder, oh, He delights in that moment. And you may think, wow, you're really stretching that. Look at Luke chapter 11. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. You will not give him a snake instead of a fish. If you're asked for an egg, you don't give a scorpion. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? See, there's, there's a, a fatherly relationship that is painted there. God, as our Father, delights in those moments with His children. Those who have been redeemed by His Son, that have been adopted into His family and are now known by Him, their names written in the book of life. Oh, He delights in those moments. Do you notice that I didn't say that we have to practice this perfectly for Him to delight in it? He delights in the praises of His people, we're told in Scripture. So you don't surrender control you don't surrender your mind. Your mind and your spirit are fully engaged. We're going to see that as we continue through the Scripture. We're not surrendering one to the other. We're not toggling back and forth as if we're, we have this schizophrenic spirit inside of us. And I'm, like, I'm not sure what I'm operating in right now, but I'm just doing this thing. That's not the gift of tongues. That is not a right spirit within us. They're fully engaged And that may be a hurdle to think through. I understand that. But here's what's consistent. A call to desperation in the life of the believer for more of the Spirit's work in and through our lives. Whether you have this gift or not, the gift of tongues 
builds. As we continue through our passage today, 1 Corinthians 14, let's look at verse 6 together. We're going to read through verse 15. We're going to see how the gift of tongues benefits. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will it benefit you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves. If with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves. Since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Who is it that's going to benefit? This really matters to Paul. This really matters to Paul. Oh, he wants us to be built up individually, but when the churches gather together, he has a different priority in that moment. And can I just acknowledge here, this is why Scripture puts such a premium on gathering together with the church. This is why Scripture puts such a premium on being together as the church is together. This would include home groups. This would include different areas of ministry. This would include being here on Sundays. Because Paul is putting a priority, not just that we be built up individually, but that the church be built up together. Hard to be built up together when you are so far apart. But he uses three analogies. He uses an analogy for music, and he says if, if notes are not played without pitch and tone and time, well, they're simply noises. He uses an illustration from the military world. He says if the bugler just plays random notes, the troops aren't going to know. Are we supposed to advance or are we supposed to retreat right now? What, what's supposed to happen in this moment? And there would be confusion and chaos. And then he uses an illustration from just our daily lives. The language must be clear and distinct in transmission and reception for the message to be understood. See, Paul is steering zeal in the right direction. He's not squashing it. He's steering it. We are called to be zealous, and it should be steered rightly. When we look at verse 13 where it says, therefore one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what Paul is saying. This is not a tongue that you necessarily normally understand what they're speaking. And, and you may recall back to earlier this summer when we looked at Acts chapter 2 as they are distinctly speaking in other known languages. That was a, a unique impartation in that moment. And here Paul is talking about something different as a grace gift. He's talking about a tongue that almost seems to be a heavenly language. You may think, well, that seems like a stretch. Well, Paul uses the phrase kinds of tongues, kinds or types. In the scientific world, you might say species. I think that would be a weird way to try to preach it out, so I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> oh, what species of tongue do you have? Oh, 
I will not be back next week. <laughs> See, as a grace gift, tongues keeps us humble, doesn't it? It should. Tongues should keep us humble. We should be engaged in our mind and in our heart. We should be engaged with what it is that's going on with God. I, I will confess to you that the moments that I find myself using the gift of tongues in my own personal life is most often in two places, in personal devotion and in pastoral counseling. I don't always know what that individual or family needs, but I know the God that does. My heart wants to leap out and fix things for people. That's not my role. That doesn't bring change. See, it's God that wants to transform people through the gospel. And so I'm praying to the God that provided so richly for us through the gospel. And then he adds these gifts of grace to his church that we might seek him fully. See, sometimes the words can't even express what it is that we're feeling and there's almost this seeming contradiction in these last three verses that we just read 13 through 16 there's it's like is he is he trying to set up some kind of juxtaposition between these things no paul actually comes to the conclusion that your mind and your spirit are both important and where there's this seeming contrast spirit and understanding with the Spirit, with understanding, with the Spirit. He's not contrasting. He's saying in the life of a believer, in the spiritual disciplines tool set, these are complementary to one another. That's why we say this. The gift of tongues can add a rich dimension to your prayer life. And lastly this morning, the gift of tongues is a blessing. Let's read 1 Corinthians 14, 16 through 19 together. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he doesn't know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in the church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Five words with my mind rather than 10,000 in a tongue. What a strange ratio. What a strange way to put that. See, see, Paul's main point here is to remind us as a church that giving thanks is what's at issue here. That the church would be able to be built up, that outsiders that come in would be able to say Amen. No, I feel that. I see that. There's something about that that, that speaks to me. And it helps me understand this divine love that we're talking about. This grace that's being poured out. This mercy that we don't deserve. Amen. Paul's putting an importance on tongues. This is strange humble brag, right? Paul, like, why did you have to do that? Paul's a pretty well-educated man. He's clearly not talking about all of the different languages that he would have been trained in. He's talking about a heavenly language that he's able to employ in the midst of his life and in the midst of his walk. Think about this. How it is that tongues humbles us. How it is that the spiritual gifts humbles us as people. 
Paul wants us to see that if we willingly reject a precious way that God has given for us to communicate to him, I think we would all respond, what arrogance is that? You mean that God has provided a way for you to commune with him directly and you're just ignoring it? That seems pretty arrogant to me. So Paul, in his steering and not squashing this gift, is saying, don't do away with it, use it properly. Don't do away with it, use it properly, because it is a good and perfect gift from a good and perfect Father. So so what are we to do today? Well, pray for it. Earnestly seek this gift. When was the last time you just got alone with God? I mean more than walking into that meeting. I mean more than sitting down for that family dinner when you know there are things that you have to talk about as a family. I mean more in that moment where you're just like, I didn't study for this one. I mean more than those moments. I mean alone time with God to pray and to give thanks, to praise Him in faith. See, in verse 19, and and it kind of harkens back to verse 1 as well, Paul is placing a right emphasis on prophecy in the assembly. I've had the opportunity to travel internationally, and at different times I've, I've been in churches where no one spoke in English. Have you ever had the opportunity to sit through a, a church service in a language other than one that you understood? Oh, you, you, you sense the spirit of what's going on in the meeting? You're just not sure what they're saying? And then when they laugh, you're not sure who or what they're laughing at? You ever had that moment? It can be uncomfortable, can't it? Paul is saying, don't put people in that position. There's an importance to prophecy. As a matter of fact, I, I, I wouldn't want to speak 10,000 words in a tongue. I would just want five to be understood. Okay, five words. All right, so, so we don't gather together in the church so that there's this larger assembly so that people can see just how spiritual we are. That's not why we gather together. For some of you, today may have been the first time that you've heard that, that I believe that I have the gift of tongues, that, it, that it's something that I operate in. And you may just be like, oh, okay, that's not something. Well, that's because we want to give attention to the five words, not the 10,000 words. But I want to share what goes on with me personally, not so that I can say, live up to my level. Please don't do that. Live up to the level that God is calling you to. Use the gifts that God is giving you. That's what I want us to all pursue together. Don't live out the faith that God is calling me to for yourself. Live out of the faith that God is giving you to live for Him. But only five words, it just bothers me. 10,000 verses five words. I actually have an idea of how many words I should manuscript if I were to just stand up here and read you the sermon. 3,000 words if you want a 30-minute message. If you want me to read it, I, that's just boring. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I just, that's not my personal style, right? I, I would struggle with that. 3,000 words. That's a, good, that's a tight 30-minute sermon. We'll beat the Baptist to Sonny's. Ten thousand words. Y'all would never want me to preach a ten thousand word sermon. 
And you'd be confused if I tried to use 10,000 words in a tongue. But five words! You don't want me to preach a a five-word sermon either. Maybe you do, actually. Don't answer that. (laughs) Would five words be enough? I don't know. Let's try it. Sinner saved by grace. Amen. (laughs) For your sin, Christ died. Christ lived, died, buried, risen. Deceived, repent. Believe, receive, cleave. Sought, fought. Distraught, caught. Bought. And seen. See, we realize, as Warren Wearsby says it, a worship service should lift up the Lord and build up the saints, not puff up the participants. So what conclusions can we draw on tongues? Tongues is a good gift from God. It's never to be despised or mocked or made fun of. It's to be received with gratitude. It's to be used in wisdom. If we were to use Paul's language in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, we could say it this way, that without love, tongues is bothersome. Tongues is annoying. It's a cacophony of abrasive and unintelligible sounds. That does not sound wonderful. Oh, but with love. Oh, with love, it becomes a beautiful and powerful symphony that speaks of the Spirit's gracious and edifying work in our lives. I'm going to invite the worship team to join me out here as we draw to a close. What are some other conclusions we might draw today? Well, as good and as helpful as speaking in tongues is for the individual, it is not a sign of superiority, of spirituality. It's not a sign of maturity. It's not a sign that you've been baptized in the Spirit. I'm not sure that it's actually a sign of anything. Evidence that the Holy Spirit has chosen to pour out a good and gracious gift to you. See, the important thing for us as a church is not to make tongues more important than it is and not to overcorrect and make tongues less important than it is either. If you have the gift of tongues, give thanks. But if you don't, you wish you did, persevere in prayer. Regardless of what ultimately does or doesn't happen, above all else, rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And it is forever secured through the blood of Jesus in heaven. Last Sunday we studied the gift of prophecy, allowing us to communicate a divine revelation. The heart of God is our loving Father. And as we study the gift of tongues this week, tongues allowing us to offload a weight that we were never meant to carry to the one who ministers perfectly. How kind is God to provide these good gifts for his people? How kind is God to provide these gifts through his people? How kind of God to provide these gifts for his people. I want to go back to a passage that I read earlier today as we prepare for a time of ministry. From 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. I just want to go back to this because I think it's important for us to 
to see in God's word that pursuing God and, and getting alone with God and having time and personal devotion and, and even, even the idea of impartation of gifts, even the thought that someone would, would lay hands on you and pray for you that you might receive the gift of tongues. That's not just some kind of thing that we've come up with is like this mechanic that you might receive. It's actually something that we are told to do in Scripture. For this reason, Paul says to Timothy, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. What are the things that should be the mark of the filling of the Holy Spirit? What are the things that should be the mark of being uh, receiving the gift of tongues? Power, love, self-control. It should change who we are. It should change the things that motivate us. It should transform our minds. It should, it should renew our hearts in ways that nothing in this world could ever satisfy. And then he goes on in verse 8 and says this, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Don't be ashamed of your testimony. I'm not ashamed of the gift of tongues. It's just not the thing I talk about a lot. You know, I think that's going to change. We need to talk about it more. We don't need to overvalue it. We don't need to undervalue it. We need to treasure the good gifts that God gives His people. We need to make use of the good gifts that God gives His people. Oh, we, we heard about it earlier in Neighbor to Neighbor and the wonderful gifts of administration, the wonderful gifts of service. I was sitting at a dinner last night and, and, and this sister was just sharing along with her husband this beautiful gift of mercy. Oh, it was beautiful. It was a wonderful moment over dinner. God gives those gifts to his people not for us to be ashamed of, but to be used for his glory. So this morning... We're going to give time. Perhaps you're here today and, and you want to pray yet again for that gift. Or, or perhaps it's a gift that you've neglected. Perhaps it's a gift that, I'm not saying it needs to be dusted off. It just needs to be refreshed and used in the midst of your devotional life. Perhaps it's something that you have shelved for other things. And God is calling you this morning, bring that back into the mix. Bring that back into something that you're using. This is why I'm not afraid to say that we're a charismatic church. I'm, I'm not afraid to talk about the fact that God gives gifts of grace to his church to build up the individuals that are in it and build up the gathering that is together. So let's not be afraid to use them in those private moments before him. That we would have that same experience as those babies are experiencing in my families now. Pure delight and joy of our Heavenly Father using his good gifts. Perhaps you're here this morning and you just need that fresh filling. We see multiple times throughout the New Testament where there is a command to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians actually talks about being filled until there is a fullness. And what happens with that fullness? Oh, it's going to spill over into your life. And so this morning, you may not receive the gift of tongues. I'm not here to make a promise about that. Oh, but I pray that you do. But you can be filled. Spirit does that for everyone. 
You can be filled and it can displace those burdens that you're carrying right now. And here, here's the thing. You may think like, what burden are you talking about? Probably the one that's popping in your mind right now. I'm not saying that when you walk out the door, your circumstances are going to have miraculously changed, but God can do that. You know what might be more miraculous today is that your perspective on those circumstances change. That your mind is changed for the glory of God. That's what